When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Vasquez beaten away by Buffon and then Ronaldo! Oh! What oh! a goal by Cristiano Ronaldo! Messi to the near post! Messi to the net! Mamma mia! Ronaldo Kielko now. Here's a Hunter and he'll whip it in back to the far post. Elise! It's a Honduran connection. This is Soccer Matters, brought to you by the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLaw.com. Here's Glenn Davis. All right, welcome into Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Tonight here, your humble host, Glenn Davis. We thank you for tuning in tonight here. Uh, DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710, our presenting sponsor, John and his firm, personal injury attorneys. So a big thank you to DaspitLawAustin.com for getting Soccer Matters on the radio here on the Horn. All right, let's get after it. It has been an incredible time. For Austin FC, they get the 2-1 to victory over FC Dallas. They advance to the conference finals. We are going to talk about it. HornFM.com for the stream. That's where you get the podcasts as well. And ATX, despite the predictions from the MLS experts, you are in the Western Conference final. You will take on 2 o'clock Central Time LAFC team that you have beaten in prior matches what a night it was at q2 stadium the intensity there the excitement uh, another virtuoso performance from the best player in the league and sebastian driussi um, this man does it all work ethic range of passing stopping and starting and changing direction off the drivel um, incredible highly professional focused making others around him better my clear mvp he is probably your clear mvp uh, as well. It is uh, just amazing to get to watch him each and every week and how he's carried this team in the playoffs. Also, uh, sidebar, Brad Stuver again, providing uh, the critical saves. So at the top of your team, the bottom of your team, you're getting great, great commitment here. Stuver starting in goal in this one with Lima, Cascante, Gabrielson, and Gallagher. Um, Danny Pereira back in the lineup. Great move there from Josh Wolf. Uh, him and Ring sat a lot deeper in this game. Uh, against FC Dallas, and you had Driussi, Finley, Gite over Maxi Arruti to start, and Diego Fagundes uh, was the starting 11. For FC Dallas, it was Pison Gold, Tumasi, Hedges, Martinez, Farfan, Quinone, Leggett, Cervania, uh, Velasco, Ferreira, and Ariola. Okay, so as we saw in the Austin FC match, and as we saw in the New York City FC Montreal match. Getting off to a good start in these single elimination games are huge. So let's go back to the Austin FC game against Real Salt Lake. Did not get off to a good start, conceded two goals. Huge game-changing moment in the 53rd minute when Rubio Rabin went in on that tackle on Brad Stuver. I'm glad Austin FC did not go to that well again. I'm glad 
they got the jump. They got the two goals in the first half. They were the better team over 45 minutes. I thought highly organized, highly disciplined, despite the pressure that they were putting on FC Dallas. It was not chaotic. It was done in a very, very organized manner that I think would, without question, make the manager, Josh Wolf, uh, extremely happy. And you saw him reference that on the broadcast and in the post game as well. But you cannot afford to come out in these games not sharp and alive. Montreal paid the price for it, no question. And also, Austin FC almost did against RSL, but FC Dallas did as well. And the first goal is vitally important, and it's hard to get back into these games. Um, no question. The players you have, you as coaches now and managers at this point of the year, you got to continue to get them to believe this is a big part of the job. And I think you got to credit the coaches that are getting that done. And that, that brings up an interesting point about the four coaches left in the playoffs. And these are MLS playoffs that are telling the truth because the higher seeds have all gotten here into conference finals, Austin FC at LAFC one and two Philadelphia one, New York city FC three, but you got young coaches and new coaches, Steve Chirundolo, LAFC, Josh Wolf, Austin FC, New York City FC has an interim coach, quite frankly, Nick Cushing. And then the veteran out of this group is going to be Jim Curtin of the Philadelphia Union. So really, really interesting from the managerial perspective. So Austin FC owns the first half. I don't think there's any question. All you had to do is watch this game. Um, second half. Estevez decides to pull Ferreira in a more of a withdrawn forward role behind uh, Hara, who comes on. So now they have a center forward. They could not supply their front three with the ball in the first half. Just it never got there. Uh, Ferreira was a frustrated mess. Ferreira, Ariola, Velasco never got the ball in the first half. They didn't have enough in midfield to get it there. Leggett, Cervania, uh, Quinone couldn't get it there. They got outplayed. Austin FC was the better team. All of a sudden, though, second half with these changes, um, things are changing. Austin FC's tucking in Fagundes and Finlay. Uh, Jesus Ferreira's gotten some early chances in and around the arc, which, by the way, is sometimes called Area 14. And now Austin FC is looking threatening on the counterattacking game and in transition. But they're really tucking in narrow. They're defending well. But Dallas is getting chances. And then, of course, they will get a goal in the 65th minute from Alan, uh, Alan Velasco, the young talent, to counter the Gite goal in the 26th and the Driussi goal in the 29th. 26-minute goal from Gite, got an inside position in the penalty box, um, was poorly marked, thundered the finish home. I like that choice at him at center forward. I don't think Maxi Arruti has been particularly effective as of late. Um, dealing with the strength and power of him, something good there. They got on the wrong side of him defensively. And then Sebastian Driussi doing what he does. Not every team in Major League Soccer has got a midfielder that can pick a ball up, run it at defense, and create his own chance. And what a finish it was. He veers to his right, smacks it in, off a mistake from Velasco, loss of possession. So... You know, you have to think of goals that don't come through a lot of buildup and come simply because you've got an exquisite talent on the field. And that's what Sebastian Driussi did.
But back to the second half, FC Dallas makes it a game. It's a good push. It's a huge dramatic victory. They were never able to recover. And again, that's why I go back to the fact that you cannot afford to come out in these games not sharp and alive. That'll be a very big key in these Western and Eastern Conference finals that are going to be coming up. But I'd like the move to get Danny Pereira back in here. Another stroke of brilliance drafting him. Just a, a great talent. I thought he had a very solid game. And uh, it's a well-deserved win. And it's a big moment for Austin FC. Everything is happening up there uh, from the on and the off field, the competition, individual stars, the collective buy-in, a young, vibrant coach with a great young staff. By the way, if you're the Houston Dynamo, you may reconsider and you may think about trying to bring Davey Arno to Houston. uh, If, in fact, Davey Arno would want to come because Davey Arno has been a part, a big part, of what's going on in Austin with this playing style. And just to my point of Houston, Texas, if you're trying to get back in the game here, uh, you very much need, you very much need a, uh, a style of play that, that, that will reach out to the authentic soccer fan. That is a huge part of uh, Houston, Texas. Uh, the other semifinal. Montreal, New York City, FC. Um, Montreal, the better team in the first half. They concede early, and then they concede in stoppage time, which was a killer. They got a six-minute goal from Morales. Um, Wanyama looked very soft and and sort of tracking him on that play. And then uh, Cheneau went off. Uh, Keaton Parks had to come out for New York City, FC. 16th minute, Kai Kamara had a a header that was missed, clear header, should have scored there, could have brought him back in the game. And then in stoppage time, it was a very indis- irresponsible set of defending, which I thought was a bit strange. Uh, and Aber got his 10th of the year, and that made it 2-0 at halftime. And Montreal was never able to, to get back into this one. All right, we've got a couple of great guests on the show tonight. Uh, we've got Sam Stachel from The Athletic. We'll talk to Sam about Austin FC, get a little bit of a national perspective. And then locally, Jorge Iturralde of Club Deportes, the publisher and editor, he will join us as well. This is Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas, as always presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. Also, LamontBrands.com, that's where you get your T-shirts. We got two versions of the green color, a mint and then a darker green. Um, Get over there, LamontBrands.com, Soccer Matters. Uh, wear it proudly. All the proceeds go to the 501c charity, the Snowdrop Foundation. Um, so I would love it if Austin FC fans picked off a few of these shirts. It all goes back to Snowdrop Foundation. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with Jorge Iturralde, uh, Club Deportes, the publisher and editor. He's got some thoughts on this game and more. On we go. For goodness. Ring was setting himself.
All right, welcome back to Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas, presented by DaspitLawAustin.com. 512-865-6710. By the way, nobody wants to get in an accident. If you do, you need representation. You go to the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com. John Daspit, his uh, personal injury attorney firm, will handle your case. They'll work for you 24-7 nights and weekends, and they are big soccer fans. That's how we get on the radio. So remember, uh, a good little note, support the sponsors that support your game, whether it's on this show, Soccer Matters, or whether it's Austin FC sponsors. Support those that support your game. All right. Jorge Iturralde joins me now, Club Deportes publisher and editor. Jorge, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for the invitation, Glenn. How are you? I always appreciate it. All right. So first off, you were in the building last night. Tell me about the excitement, the energy at Q2. The energy was incredible. It was, um, I, I, I want to say it was something different, a little bit different. The Q2 usually gets all excited uh, game after game. But yesterday was uh, a little bit um, better or a little bit more excited because the uh, rivality with FC Dallas what happened on Copita on Copa Texas, Copa Texas that uh, we couldn't uh, celebrate the the winning in inside the stadium because they just didn't want us to to do that, and then the payback because the uh, El Matador and and the supporting groups from Austin from FC Dallas they were not allowed to bring the instrument, so it was a tension in the week that everybody. Uh, show it on on the game. It was it was just amazing the loudness and uh, the uh, the intensity each each play and uh, and I, I think uh, yesterday you know we I've, I've been covering the uh, the uh, Austin FC now for two years and I think this was the more intense game on on Q2. We're talking to Jorge Iturralde, Club Deportes publisher and editor. Look, you've been in around it since the beginning. Um, did you think, if I take you back to last year, did you think Austin FC could be in the place they are right now heading into the conference final against LAFC? No, 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 not at all. I, uh, my, my, uh, uh, my expectation for this year, after what we saw last year, my expectation was to, I, I was, I was, I will say, you know, I said, we were going to be happy if we just passed uh, or, or get into the playoffs. I, I, I said, we're going to be fighting the seven and the eight place at the end of the season. This is more than what we expect. And, and I think everybody, uh, it, it got the surprise when we start getting the results. Jorge Toralde joining us here. Josh Wolf has done an amazing job. Now, last year, I made it pretty clear that I saw principles when I heard everybody say, oh, you know, you got to fire Josh Wolf. I thought it was a joke because I saw principles being put in place in that team, which with additional players, with more time, uh, with the growth of a head coach, I I saw this really progressing and amping up, which is not what I have seen with a lot of coaches that are first-year coaches, right, that you would say, hey, did they deserve a second chance or not? A first year for a coach in Major League Soccer is obviously 
a learning situation like a first year in anything. Um, so I saw, I did see that. How do you feel about Josh Wolf in year two? Because I, I, I think he's really managed this team beautifully. I, I agree with you. I think uh, the mistakes on the first season, basically we need, we need to, uh, to credit all, all the bad results to him on the first season, but we need to credit all the good, uh, the good results on this season because we basically had the same team. If you go back and, and check the first lineup on, on, on the game one and check the last years, we just did four sub substitutions. Like was Finley, uh, let's say we, we include Gabrielson and, and, uh, but most of that, uh, the, the team is the same. We have GTA yesterday. We had, uh, uh, Cascante, which was last year's disaster. This year, you know, has been a lot of improvement from them. Still, we need to work a little more. Still, there is, uh, there is a lot of, a lot of things that the team can improve. But George Wolf has to receive all the credit for this season. We have the same players. The only thing that I see different. Glenn is the motivation. The team goes out to the field thinking thinking that they are going to uh, to win, no matter if he's LAFC or, or whoever is in front. I think Josh Wolf and also the way he handles everything, you know, the way he handled the media last year, it's very different, very different that that the way he's uh, he's handling his his person. I mean, everything Josh Wolf and I was I was I say it in one of my uh, our shows in Club Deportes, I said, I think George Wolf, after what we see in the progress we see him on this year, I think we're watching or we're looking at, at the future of the national team, the U.S. national team, probably, I don't know, in five, ten years. He's young, so um, if he keeps learning this way, he's going to be in a better position. I mean, Austin FC uh, is going to be small for him in a few years. Talking to Jorge Itoralde, the Club Deportes publisher and editor. Um, yeah, Josh Wolf's been impressive. Hey, listen, when you're winning, too, it's easier to deal with the press. Although, you know, it was a little nervy heading into the playoffs, not getting a lot of results. Um, Josh Wolf handled that very, very well, I thought, with the press and the media. Did not show any signs of panic. But I'm going to take you back to the RSL game. And... I knew RSL was going to be a real problem and challenge. And I'm going to put a circle around when Rubio Rabin got sent off, because at that time in the 53rd minute of the second half with RSL in the lead, I'm wondering what was going through your head. We had uh, a lot. I mean, of was there a nervousness at that point? Yes, being down because definitely. I, I certainly was nervous for Austin FC. Definitely, especially because the last ten games, uh, including our SL, we we lost five, and we lost a few of them with with very incredible situations. Um, yes, at some point, I thought it was going to be the end of the season. And uh, but once we we went to the uh, to uh, extra time, that was a different history. Or, hey, uh, I wanted to ask you about Sebastian Driussi and just what he's meant to this team, the the ability to do so many things. Uh, the, the guy to me is the clear MVP in Major League Soccer. I agreed. I, I talked to him a couple of times. The first question that I asked him uh, I, and I 
keep remember uh, the the answer, right? I ask him what what are you you know what are you doing in MLS? What are your expectations? What you want? Where you want to go? And the answer was, you know, I'm here to win, and uh, I'm taking the MLS responsible. I'm gonna be uh, thinking that uh, each game is I'm gonna be better, and and that's the way it has been. Do you see? Do you see? We have a bunch of people, bunch of players coming from all over to the MLS, right? But do you only see few really taking MLS seriously, especially players from from uh, you know that came from uh, from a higher standard? You you don't see that many players uh, giving everything to to the field, and, and I'm gonna. And I'm going to point uh, Hector Herrera. You have him there. I mean, Hector Herrera, I mean, he's he's really, I mean, we, we think like he's on vacation. He wears the uh, LA Galaxy jersey when he finished with Chicharito. He's not showing the pride that Drusi is showing for 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 uh, for Los Verdes, for the team. I mean, Drusi is really a person, a good player, but it's a better person. He's he's really showing everybody that what the uh, uh, the the passion of of soccer means. I think when we look at him, Jorge, we just see the seriousness. We see the professionalism. Um, this is a guy that doesn't get bumped out of his focus. I mean, the the focus and intensity in this guy is incredible. When you speak to him. You know, what jumps out to you about his mannerisms and things? I mean, is it that the professionalism, the seriousness? I mean, what what else can you kind of reveal when when you interview Driussi? He's he's a junkie. He's very shy. I mean, if you see him, he he doesn't talk too much to uh, to media. He doesn't like to talk to, to media, especially because he feels and, and that's that's what I my sense. He, he doesn't speak English. I mean. And and uh, talking in Spanish, you can see him uh, smiling and feeling more in his habitat, right? But um, but on 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 the way of he he talks. I mean, Glenn, you it's, it's like you are listening to a, a guy playing for River Plate. It's like you are listening to a guy who's really uh, um, on with the pressure that MLS doesn't give to some players. You can see. Uh, you know, I, I can mention Iguain, let's say. You know, they 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 lose this fine, but but Driussi takes Austin FC. That's like, a that's a really good example, Jorge, because I know what you're saying here. That that just the presence, the way he carries himself, everything seems know, ultra professional. Feels, you you feel like this guy born here and he's been living here since day one of his life. But we also have to factor in Iguain's at the end of his career. This is a guy that still has a lot more in front of him that he wants. Um, how long do you think he stays in Austin before I let you go? I don't think it's going to be too long. He's going to be he's he's too expensive now. He arrived here in some price. I think the double of uh, of his value is going to be at the end of this year. And I think uh, he loves Austin. Uh, he likes to be free because that's uh, being in MLS is different than being in other countries. But uh, I think you know this this uh, the soccer uh, profession is too short. I think he's 
he's going to go probably in one year or two years to uh, maybe here in, on MLS, but but he's going to go for the money, definitely. Jorge Iturralde, Club Deportes publisher and editor. Jorge, thank you so much for coming on. We want to bring you on again, talk some World Cup as well here in the future. Thank you, as always, for coming on the program. It's always an honor, Glenn. Thank you very much. All right. There goes Jorge. Uh, we always appreciate when he comes on, gives us his thoughts on Austin FC and football in general. Uh, we'll take a break here. DaspitLawAustin.com. We're going to come back with the athletic Sam Stashkel, who will be going over to cover the World Cup. Uh, DaspitLawAustin.com. 512-865-6710. They're bilingual. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys. You get in a car accident, boat, motorcycle, you call the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com. 512-865-6710. By the way, a reminder, lamontbrands.com. We have Soccer Matters t-shirts there. They're $20, beautiful cotton, high quality. We have them in two shades of green for the Austin market. If you purchase them, all the proceeds go to the 501c charity, the Snowdrop Foundation, and this is for pediatric cancer awareness fundraising and scholarships. We'll take a break. We'll come back with the athletics, Sam Stashko. Driussi, bouncing off Velasco, and on he goes, scores by the goalkeeper's flailing glove. Welcome back to Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Uh, as always, presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys. Uh, you get in a car accident, boat, motorcycle. There's only one firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com. You give them a call at 512-865-6710. They are bilingual. And we thank John and his firm for getting soccer on the airwaves. Um, it's important. So it's John Daspin and the Daspit Law Firm. Certainly he's happy about Austin FC's advancement in the MLS playoffs. Right now from The Athletic, uh, one of the bright young talents. One day they'll stop calling him young. He is Sam Stashkel. He joins <laughs> us now. Sam, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, thanks for having me on, Glenn. I appreciate it. Always appreciative uh, uh, the, to bring you on the program. All right. So let's just get some initial impressions on uh, you know, the year that has been Austin FC uh, capitulated by last night's result over FC Dallas. Yeah, I think a really impressive season. We saw some signs towards the end of last year, especially after Driussi came in. The attack started to click a little bit more. They caught a couple of good results. And you're like, okay, they have everything in place off the field. Now it seems like the pieces are starting to come together a little bit more on the field. What is this going to look like in 2022? And you know, they've been really, really solid. Uh, I think they've certainly outperformed expectations as they uh, are happy to let everyone know with their constant tweeting about the experts' predictions from preseason. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's been a good year. I think in some ways, maybe they've overperformed a little bit when you look at the underlying metrics. Um, but Sebastian Giussi has been fantastic. They've gotten good performances from other guys. Diego Fagundes, to me, is one of the best stories in the league with what he's been able to do down there after kind of hitting a lull in New England. Brad Stuver's been excellent. Um, and now they go to LAFC having, you know, two good results against them from this season. And I'm sure they feel very confident about their chances. 
Let's go back to Sebastian Driussi because, you know, uh, having this show in Austin, you know, I watch all the Austin games very intently. I watched last year. Uh, bef- before we, we, we move on, that's a guy that makes others shine, including Fagundes. Did you see that? Look, we saw he was a talented player when he came last year in the summer, but once he got a little bit more acclimated to the league, did you see him becoming this dominant in year two? Well, maybe not quite this dominant, but I thought he would be a star. I thought he would be, you know, best 11 caliber. And I, I would say that things have gone a little bit better than I thought they would. But you saw it last year. This guy has the talent to be one of the best players in the league. And that's what he's done. And he's really elevated the entire squad because Glenn, if you think about it and you look at Austin's roster and the guys that they've paid transfer fees for besides Driussi, Redis, Pochettino, Kolmanich, Gite, Romagna, Dominguez, Valencia. Some of these guys are gone now, but none of them really start. <laughs> and they've spent a decent amount of money on those guys. Uh, they've done well with other other acquisitions within MLS and through the draft. But Driussi has really elevated that team in a massive, massive, massive way. And I think it just kind of goes to show the importance in MLS of getting your biggest star signing right. And if you can do that, then you can make mistakes elsewhere and you can still end up okay. And in Austin's case, much better than okay. Sam Stashkel of The Athletic. All right, so back to Driussi. You know, what astounds me about him is, is basically this guy morphs into something in different areas of the field, right? He's in midfield. He's a midfielder. He can open a game up with his range of passing. In the final third defensively, in, in front of Stuver, he's defending. He's got a work ethic. He's heading away corners. Uh, in the final third, he can turn into a center forward and attack crosses as good as anybody in the league, in my opinion. His aerial prowess is pretty amazing. It's, it is. I was going to I was going to mention that. It's wild because he's not a big guy. No, it's amazing. Uh, his timing, uh, the positions he gets in. I would even say, you know, when he's stopping and starting, change of direction, all these things. He's got so much in this toolkit. Is there anybody comparative to him in the league right now that that does that much in that many different areas of the field? That's a good question. Um, Because it's funny, you know, people are, oh, he's a playmaker. He does a hell of a lot more than an attacking third. It's a good point. There are a lot of guys that do a lot of those things, but I'm not sure there's anyone that does as many. Like Hani Mukhtar for Nashville does all of the attacking things that Drusi does with the exception of maybe the aerial stuff, but he's not, you know, asked to do the same amount of defensive work that Drusi is. Um, Jose Cifuentes with LAFC does a lot of kind of the midfielder stuff, does a lot of the defensive stuff, but maybe isn't quite as involved in the attack as Driussi. So I don't know that there would be another player. Carles Heel, maybe from from last year in particular, but again, not doing kind of, not dropping as deep, not not doing the protective defensive work that Driussi does, um, certainly doing all of the attacking things. But uh, yeah, no, I think he's pretty unique in that way. I think that's a good point. Yeah, he's remarkable. He is so much fun to watch and he, and he does make others better. Sam Stashkel, uh, of the athletic. All right. So the MLS pay- playoffs told us the truth this year. I mean, pretty much, right. I mean, we've yeah. got, we've got the best teams in the league here uh, in Austin FC, LAFC, and then Philly and New York city FC. So it's kind of proven out, right? Yeah. It's kind of a rare thing. <laughs> you know, I think, I think number one seeds, two number one seeds haven't made MLS cup 
since 2003 in MLS. And obviously there's another step to go. We don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but LAFC and Philly, the two number one seeds are both alive. You know, I actually went back uh, earlier and I, and I tallied up the last five years of MLS point totals. And the top three are LAFC, Philadelphia, and then New York City FC. All three of those are in the final four. Obviously Austin, not in that conversation because they're only been around for two years. Um, but, you know, I think it's appropriate and it's not something we usually see in MLS where chaos is usually ruling the day. Sam, remember, you're not allowed to use final four. The NCAA is going to get mad at you. Now be careful. Don't <laughs> it was lowercase. Like it was lowercase. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. Sam Stage Club, The Athletic. Um, I was impressed last night with, the evolution of Austin FC in the playoffs, even though it's been short, but I thought organizationally and discipline, and this was something that Josh Wolf was echoing a lot. He even said that at halftime when he was interviewed. Um, I, I thought that side of their game was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was excellent. You know, in the first half, Dallas didn't really show up, I thought. But even still, the two goals Austin got were like really opportunistic goals. Like Brandon Cervania doing a poor job of clearing a corner kick on the first one and GTA taking advantage. And then Alan Velasco with a bad turnover and Drew making some magic on the second. So they're super opportunistic. And then they just kind of shut it down. You know, they, they weren't pressing like crazy. It was kind of defend in, in more of a mid or lower block um, and make Dallas break them down. And Dallas by and large couldn't really do it. Um, so I thought they did a really nice job defensively. I thought it was disciplined, um, which was nice to see. It was mature. That's I think the word I would use for it. And in front of a crowd like that, to be able to kind of slow things down and not get carried away. I think it, it can be difficult. And Austin did a nice job of it. Yeah. And in year one, I remember Josh Wolf saying that, you know, sometimes because of the crowds, um, it, it really teased his players into doing yeah. more than they needed to do at times and over, you know, getting a little bit over emotional. Um, I think one of the stories we saw in these playoffs games is, is answering the bell and how important that is. And I thought this was a game Austin FC had to take a lead and win a game as opposed to yeah. keep going to the well of coming back. And then, of course, Montreal did not have the best of starts either. So I guess yeah. the margins are slim here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Austin, I thought it was a big improvement from the first round against RSL when I thought the moment almost it almost got them, you know. It looked like they weren't really ready for a playoff game. I actually picked RSL to win that game for that precise reason. So, so did I. Um, and and you came, you saw it. It almost played out until they got the red card. Uh, but yeah, to your point, Montreal, the margins are super thin in any single elimination match. They go down early. Then they actually outplayed New York City for large stretches yep. of that game. Certainly the entire first half, Sean Johnson makes a couple big saves. Kai Kamara hits the post. And NYCFC makes it 2-0. At the end of the half, they scored on their only two shots for the first half. Incredible. They, they converted both of them. And Montreal, was free header after free header, and they couldn't quite get it in. Um, so, yeah, it's the, these these games are, are really thin margins. And when you have really thin margins in an MLS game, you want difference makers. And Austin have two. In Driussi, certainly, but also in Stuber, who's been been pretty immense for them in this run. Either end of the field, Stuber's a great story. Um uh, the value of making uh, those around you better um, and great goalkeeping. So important in the playoffs. Uh, let's, let's take a look at Philly. I, I thought Philly may have survived a little bit. They did not look particularly sharp. They no. survived. That's the good news. They got a game under their belt heading into their match now with New York city FC. 
Yeah, I'm going to be really curious to see what Alejandro Bedoya's status is because I think he's so important to what they try and do. They obviously, Philadelphia, for those who do not know, went on a massive, massive run late summer where they they won like 10 games in a row and they were it felt like they were winning every game 6 nothing. I think their they goal differential... The man, they were the Man City of MLS. For it was unbelievable. Games. I think their goal differential in 11 games at one point was like 43-9. to nine. Like they were just blowing everybody away. But yeah, to your point, they had a tough fight against Cincinnati, who was the only Eastern Conference team that Philadelphia did not beat this year uh, heading into that match. So I think they knew it was going to be a tough game. Um, it was sloppy. It was ugly. It, it sort of felt like at one point they, that both teams were going to start picking up rocks and start just literally throwing them at each other. Um, but they're scrappy and they've been through kind of the playoff wars now a little bit as a team, they haven't gotten farther than the Eastern conference final. Uh, but I think they're sort of poised to do it now. They've suffered to use that soccer cliche, um, mm-hmm. enough. I think they've got that experience under their belt. And I think their game against New York city is going to be really interesting contrast in styles for sure. Um, but a rematch of, of last year's Eastern conference final at Philly, again, the union, lost last year but they had basically their entire team out because of covid um so this year that presumably will not be the case and uh, i think they'll like their chances sam sam stashkel of the athletic joining us here hey um i'm interested and i'm very excited about the youthful nature of these managers now so you got gerundolo and lafc josh wolf in austin you got an interim coach nick nick cushing in new york and then in philly i guess you got the dean of this group of four coaches and Jim Curtin. So I'm abs- I'm absolutely loving seeing these younger managers achieve and get things done and, and bring some new personality to Major League Soccer from the management side. Yeah, it's been nice to see. And even you look at some of the teams that were eliminated in this last round. Wilfred Nancy, who's probably going to win coach of the year for Montreal, just in his second season. Nico Estevez in Dallas doing a nice job. Pat Noonan with Cincinnati going out to Philly and and then uh you know Greg Vanny's been around a bit but but he's by no means an old man <laughs> um <laughs> so so yeah I think it's good to see um and a lot of these coaches really try and play decent soccer too um sometimes I think to a fault almost sometimes I think it's not so pragmatic uh I think Dallas maybe fell into a little bit of that from time to time this season um I think we've seen Austin fall into it at times before um as well but I think it's still a noble and admirable thing to try to do. And, and so I'm in support of that. Um, and yeah, all four of the, the coaches remaining have done a really nice job. Cushing is an interesting one too. Cause he took over mid season for the MLS cup winning Ronnie Dela, who went to Belgium and it was bumpy for a bit, but they've figured things out really nicely down the stretch. And his background is a lot of uh, women's football in England, uh, which yeah. is also very interesting it comes from the Manchester city system. Um, all right. Before I let you go, you're off to now. Is it Cutter, Qatar, or Qatar? You got it. The first one, Cutter. Okay, that's what I'm told from my friends yes. in the Middle East. Okay, so yes. so everybody's saying Qatar and Qatar. <laughs> you're all wrong, and we're elitists here, and we're correct. That's um, that's right. <laughs> all right. So tell me a little bit about it logistically, because there is a little bit of an unknown, a winter world cup. There's a lot of different mm-hmm. things going on. You and I had a little chat before we got on the air, kind of what's your thoughts on heading over there to cover this. I'm sure you're excited. That's for sure. Yeah, certainly excited. This will be my first world cup, which so I'm pretty over the moon to be able to be there. Obviously it's going to be a little bit different being in Qatar, 
being in the winter, the games will be closer together than in any previous World Cup. The group stage is shorter for every team than in every previous World Cup. So I think that will play a little bit of a role. Um, but then I'm just really curious to see what it actually looks like on the ground. You know, Qatar is not a very open or free society. Um, most people listening to this, I'm sure will heard will have heard about the human rights violations and all of the deaths um, for migrant construction workers there that it's, it's not a good scene. Um, of course, there's LGBTQ, anti-LGBTQ laws. Um, and, and, and so I don't know how these things are going to play out. Women are not especially free in their society. So I don't know what, how it's going to look. I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know what the fan makeup is going to be. Um, logistically, they don't even have enough hotel rooms. It seems they've been encouraging people to, you know, stay in Dubai and take like kind of shuttle connecting flights for 45 minutes, um, and come in on game day and just go to their games. So all of that is going to be different and potentially, yeah, alcohol, there will be some, but like, it'll be kind of hard to get and Mm -hmm. you might get thrown in in the drunk zone and no one really knows what the limits are there and, or what that really means. So there are a lot of unknowns. Um, I think from a sporting perspective, it has the potential to be really cool. Like if you're a fan, you can go to multiple matches in a day because all of the stadiums are relatively close by to each other. That is amazing. But all of those other factors that I just kind of laid out there, it's potential to get tricky and potentially even uh, dangerous for some people, which isn't great. So in my years of doing like World Cup qualifiers in different places in Central America and events down there, you know, you always got some pretty strict rules and regulations from networks as to what you could do and couldn't do as far as leaving the property and the hotel compound and things. So have have you gotten any of those kind of rules from the athletic? I'm sure you're getting briefed. Um, Nothing like that. Um, But, you know, like we have, we'll have burner phones and computers that will be only in use in Qatar. So I'm not bringing the, the, the phone, the devices I'm talking to you on right now with me and leaving those behind. Um, so there's, there's, I think, more cybersecurity concerns than on the ground concerns. But the athletic, you know, is owned by the New York Times. And so the New York Times is providing security for all times and athletic reporters who will be on site, um, which I think is a pretty normal thing for an event like this, regardless of where it is. But that's certainly an element of, of everything going on. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully everything goes smoothly. Hopefully everyone has a good experience. And hopefully we can focus on the stuff that's that's going on on the field. But there are also a lot of, you know, um, n- less than free elements in Qatar and people that are discriminated against and who don't have rights like they do in other parts of the world. And that's not good. Sam Stashkel of The Athletic joining us. Sam, will you stay in Qatar or will you stay... Yeah, you you you, you most yeah. likely have yeah, to yeah, because yeah. you're going to be on a daily basis at Qatar. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be there going to U.S. training every day, pretty much going to all the U.S. games, maybe sneaking in a few other games, maybe some Canada games, actually. Potentially, I'll be covering some of those. So we'll see exactly how the schedule plays out. All right. Last one before I let you go. Uh, You know, I look at a guy like Walker Zimmerman that's not playing games right now, Mm -hmm. apparently cemented in as one of the center backs. Aaron Long as well. Yeah. I mean, this is a really, really tricky World Cup when it comes to form. Do you think we might see some really big surprises just based on, you know, players that are able to continue to play in league games up until a week away from going to 
to, to, to Cutter or, you know, I mean, I just think of some of the challenges Greg Berhalter specifically to the U.S. is facing. I mean, there will be injuries between now and the start of the World Cup. I think well. that's I think that's a certainty. We've, we saw Tyler Adams didn't play this weekend for Leeds. That seems like it's a minor thing and that he should be back. But there's a question whether Chris Richards, who's another U.S. center back, will recover in time from his injury. You know, we saw Rafael Varane go down for Manchester United over the weekend. He's obviously a French international, so will he make the World Cup? England has a few players that are injured right now. So there will be some injuries that could shake things up, but I don't think other than that, we're going to see any huge surprises on the U.S. roster. Um, In terms of form, though, to your point, everything is going to be very up in the air. Uh, The U.S., even if even if the center backs were playing and doing well in their leagues, it would still, that position would still be a huge question mark for the Americans at the tournament. Um, Same thing with striker, you know, Jesus Ferreira, like seems like he might be Berhalter's preferred option. Dallas lost Austin last night. He's not going to be playing any more games for the next month between now and when the U S opens against Wales, how will that affect him? Um, so yeah, there are big unknowns there. And then, but the big one that I'm keeping an eye on is really injuries because that has the potential to sink the U S team, depending on if a guy like Adams misses, um, cause he's so important to what they do. Imagine him not being available. Yeah. It'll be bad news. Yep. Sam, as always, thank you very much. Enjoy the world cup. We appreciate your coverage. Uh, Sam Stashkel of the athletic Sam. Thank you as always for coming on the program. Thanks so much, Glenn. Have a good one. All right. There's Sam Skashkel, and he's going to be off to the World Cup in Qatar. All right. That does it tonight for Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas, presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. They're bilingual. Um, You go to hornfm.com to get the podcasts of this show. Big thank you to all who tune in, who listen to the podcast. Get your T-shirts at lamontbrands.com. We have two shades of green, lamontbrands.com, all the proceeds to the 501C charity, the Snowdrop Foundation. And until next Monday night, I'm Glenn Davis. Remember, soccer matters. Congratulations to Austin FC on to take on LAFC in the MLS playoffs.